Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. Welcome to episode 468 of Longbox Heroes, the Labrigani of comic book podcasts. I'm Todd, joined with Joe. How we doing today, Joe? I like the way that you say Lamborghini. Am I saying it Labrigani. I'm saying it wrong, I guess. Well, listen, you say you say sabotage. I say sabotage. Ah, listen, all y'all, this is sabotage. Gotcha. You ever hear that uh, William Shatner thing? No. Uh, Maybe I so, have, but it's not in my brain right now. So, uh, and we'll get into the comic book stuff, and we're talking about <laughs> Todd saying Lamborghini wrong, so. Lamborghini. Uh, so, um, it was Shatner, bef- like, in between him doing, I guess, maybe, like, the first Contact movie, and he was recording a bunch of dialogue for a Star Trek PC game, mm-hmm. where it was like, oh, it has William Shatner's actual voice as Captain Kirk, right? Mm-hmm. And it was like... I, it was just him saying a bunch of things like, I wish I knew what to do, or, you know, man the torpedoes, or, you know, whatever it was. And there's one in particular where he says, Spock sabotage the system. And the person who's recording it corrects him and says, <laughs> you know, uh, Mr. Shatner, if you could read line, whatever, again, it's actually sabotage the system. And Shatner, in a way that only William Shatner can, says... You say sabotage. I say sabotage. That's the way I say it. And then he pauses and says, don't correct me. It sickens me. <laughs> <laughs> and then moves on with reading the rest of his lines, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a whole world of these, Todd, that you're not exposed to that I need to open you up to. Okay, so it's pronounced Lamborghini? Lamborghini. Don't correct me, Joe. It sickens me. <laughs> I walked right into that one. I know. I was I was like, here it comes down the middle. Home run, Chippa. Oh boy. <laughs> hey, what do we got to talk about on the show today? We have a solicit for a book coming out in December that's absolutely positively going to come out. Also not, not a guarantee. Not a guarantee. Also, Rob Liefeld defeats. Todd McFarlane, and what? much more in the huge sensation that's sweeping the nation on this podcast, The Rob Watch. Also, we have free digital books and sales, con news, what we read last week, which was You're the Villain, Riddler number one, and King Thor. God, I love uh, King Thor. Uh, what we're looking forward to this week, and I think that's, we don't have any TV talk at the end, do we, Joe? No, no TV talk. Uh, there's some TV discussion over on After Dark this week. Uh, if you're a Patreon, you already heard it. Uh, but we announced the next Al's Gals as well. So true, true. So streamline show. We're gonna we're gonna zip through this one as we always do. I didn't curse it at all, Joe. Right. So uh, as Todd mentioned, the December solicitations are slowly rolling out. Um, they should fully be out by the time that this is hitting your ears. But one of the things that is in there is Doomsday Clock number 12, which allegedly is coming out the week before Christmas. Mm, maybe. I think it's going to come out earlier. I'm gonna, when I see Santa this year at the mall, I'm going to ask him, 
that I want in my stocking, Doomsday Clock number 12. And I'm sure Santa will be laughing still from the time I go see him at the mall to the time that Christmas rolls around. That's because he's jolly. <laughs> yes, not because I just said the funniest thing in the world. I, I, I My favorite thing was when I found out about this, I found out a little earlier than the news came through. It was through backdoor channels, as we often find out news. So I zing off a text to you. And my favorite part is like, hey, I found out that like you know retailers have been informed through, through a, le- a legitimate source that we've used for news before that uh, – <laughs> that Doomsday Clock 12 is going to be solicited for December because me and you had talked at the shop that it was was it or wasn't it and you were like oh if it was going to be solicited it would it would have you know dripped out by now because they they did some some early solicits and I'm like okay whatever and I was like oh well I'll just send this along to Joe and I get back a one word <laughs> uh, text in quotation marks solicited and I'm like. Oh, I'm just not sending you any more information on Doomsday Clock. Well, listen, just... Todd, I, listen I could, Todd, I could solicit the movie that I'm making to come out in theaters for December 18th, 2019. Mm-hmm. Whether or not it actually comes out is another story. There's one thing of making the announcement and then actually fulfilling the announcement to its fullest extent. If the previous 11 issues have taught us nothing, and they haven't, <laughs> that this book is doomed, day clocked to failure. What? Now, Listen. is there a chance being that they've canceled every solicitation on Shazam? Yes. A lot can happen between now and then. The other thing, I don't know if we mentioned it last week or uh, not. I know we discussed it uh, on Twitter and maybe privately. That somebody had tweeted at Gary Frank about, like, hey, when's issue 12 coming out? Mm-hmm. And he goes, oh, I think it's coming out in November. It's <laughs> slated for November. It's slated for November. And I'm like, when the guy who's working on half of the book has no idea when the book is coming out, does not fill me with hope of when this book is coming out. See, that's the difference between me and you. Uh, you're New 52 Joe while I'm Rebirth Todd, filled with hope. Right. So I look at it as he knows the book is done and on it's like not done so much as almost finished. So it's probably coming out in November and I'm going to have it done way early. And oh, what? It's December. All right. I guess they have it solicited for that last week, uh, that last month, you know, have that big end of the quarter sale. That's the way I look at it as a positive, Joe, that the book is almost finished and ready to come out. You look at it as he doesn't know what's going on. I, I just don't like the way you look at that. And I'll also point this out. This is not my original uh, idea. Somebody else said this, of course. But if they, DC, had initially published this from when the first issue came out in November of 2017 as a bi-monthly book, mm-hmm. would people have been as upset or would it have been even later? I, I don't know. But I find it interesting, the scuttlebutt that I'm hearing, too, that a lot of stuff got changed along the way. And that this wouldn't have been what it was. And it messed up uh, the Legion book that's coming out soon. I, I don't right, know. And that's the other thing. So, you know, obviously. So Gary Frank says on Twitter, I think it's coming out in November. It's solicited to come out December 18th. Todd, right. that's three months away. A lot can happen in three months. I would bet the farm that it comes out in December. You've already lost the bet that it's not going to come out in November. Right now, but if it does come out in December, 
I missed, I, 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 you know, it's not that big of a joke to miss it by three weeks. The bet was missed by three lousy weeks, Joe, which I guarantee that's what's going to happen. That's all I'm going to say. I've already won my bet. Right. I'm let's just not, saying. Let's not muddy the issue any I, further. I'm not looking to make another bet, but I'm just saying it's coming out in December. It's, it's a guarantee. The absolute latest that they can delay this book. Mm-hmm would be the week of Thanksgiving, which is when it should have been out. Right. If there hasn't been a delayed announced by that date, that week of Thanksgiving, uh, no, actually, because Thanksgiving is the week before because it's the third Thursday, whatever. Uh, So the last week of November, which would be like November 27th, right? Right. We should know, like, that's the last day that we'll know if it's been delayed or not. I feel that we'll we'll get announcements that's been delayed before that. See, I don't think we will. Okay. I think if I, I actually, cause you're the numbers guy. Yeah. What has been the actual latest between two issues of uh, doomsday clock? Three and a half months. I think so. So what, when did we get the last issue of doomsday clock? Let me get my tablet. Which I believe was September 4th. It was very recently. Right. Yeah, September 4th. So, one the week, previous weeks. issue to that. I apologize for the dead air here, ladies and gentlemen. As I'm looking here, it would have been issue 10, right? Right. Okay. Because I just did the math, and between. Okay, so, the Doomsday four- Clock 10. Came out May 29th. Right. So that was like three and a half months. So. And then prior to that. But go ahead. You do your calculations. I did my calculations from the 4th mm-hmm. of September to the 18th of December is 15 weeks. That's exactly three and a half months. Okay. Maybe a little bit over. If that's the most that's been between each issue, then there's a good chance that will that that it could drop because that seems to be a schedule that they can have. And with twelve, they never solicited it, so there's no like they just put it out at three and a half months later. As always, I just think they've hit that three and a half month mark a couple of times that they're going to hit this one. And I know you're going to say that's me, you know, goodwill Todd being naive and everything. If they hit three and a half months, then I don't see why they can't do it again, especially when Shazam, they just gave up on. And, uh, I, I have a feeling like, uh, star girl is probably pretty much done, uh, being written by now because it'll be out in November, I think for, for, uh, on the digital service. Right. So that's just the way I look at it. So, sadly, I think you're incorrect there because it has wavered and waned in between two and a half. That's just what I'm going over here, so I apologize. Two and a half months, you mean? Right. So in between 10 and 11, as we've just determined, was three and a half months, right? Right. So which is about 15 weeks. Okay, so... In between 9 and 10 was March 6th to May 29th was the time in between that. 
So that was like two and a half months. It's like two months and three weeks, right? Mm -hmm. So then in between eight and nine was three months on the nose. Right. Okay. So then in between those ones, and then in between seven and eight, September 26th to December 6th, or December 5th, rather, my apologies, that was two and a half months. So right. it's gone from like two and a half months to three months to two months and three weeks. So there is a little bit of fluctuation. Like the three months is the sweet spot. Right. And so we have three months and like two, three weeks wiggle room for them to get 12 out. Mm -hmm. And it was exactly three months in between, or I'm sorry, two months in between uh, six and seven. Right. So it was seven where things fell apart when it went from that two months to three months, give or take, right. in between issues. Right. I'd like for it to be done. I, like I said, I think it will. I think they cracked the whip to get it out for the fourth quarter. I really do. We shall see. Oh, it's we guaranteed. Don't you worry. I, I ain't taking any of your guarantees, sir. What? So, in other news, uh, another recurring staple of the show, it's time for a bunch of quick hitters in the Rob Watch. Of course, we just passed uh, this past week, uh, over the weekend, the 28th anniversary of Rob's uh, 501 Blue Jeans ad that he did. Right. And I forgot that it was directed by Spike Lee, of all things. I know, that blows my mind. I think it might be the greatest thing he's ever contributed to cinema. Hmm. Maybe. I don't know. Do the right thing is still pretty good. Uh, Rob also was getting into arguments with people on Facebook that the Watchmen movie was better than the comic book because it has a better ending. Well, let me just say, let me just say, Rob, you know, has made some mistakes, blah, blah, blah. Watchmen as a whole is not, the, the comic is not better than the movie, but they did make some decisions that I think were better in the movie than they were in the book. I think making Dr. Manhattan the threat instead of the squid mm -hmm. is smarter in a story sense. And I know it is Alan Moore and it is the greatest, you know, it's considered one of the greatest comic books ever made, but the whole plot was, Hey, I'm going to destroy Manhattan and I hope he stays dead and we'll blame the squid. Where in the movie, they're like, let's blame Manhattan. And then that will guarantee he has to leave Earth or him staying on Earth will start World War III. It was a good double-pronged plan to make sure Manhattan would never stay on Earth. So I kind of, I actually kind of went, I like that. I like that ending just a little bit better. But overall, the movie is doesn't nearly is as good as the the, the comic book. That's just my opinion. So he gets he he gets a, a he he gets he bloops in a, a single, but the rest is just crazy. Uh, Rob also uh, was fighting with people uh, on online as well in regards to his art. It looked like it was very strange. He was fighting with a bunch of people, and I'm not going to say what their age was, mm -hmm. but all of these people all got Twitter accounts in October of 2018. They're all people who blocked that he blocked before. 
I don't, well, a couple of them he was, like, critiquing because they follow him and were messing with him. I don't know if, he, if he's blocked them. I'm sure by now he has. Uh, they were giving him a hard time because Barack Obama follows him. And uh, somebody else pointed this out, that the fact that they said, why does Barack Obama follow you? And Rob just replied, because I'm the Rob. But not the Rob, because right. I'm me, you know? Mm, do the Rob thing. That's what I say. And then before they could throw it in his face, of course, he put up the uh, his infamous drawing of Captain America. And uh, he said, remember when you try to faux shame me, I drew this. I drew Cap. Um, uh, I can't say that word on this show, but you know what he said. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, uh, Rob said that he could save books from cancellation. Uh, sadly, a book that I liked because it was a kind of a spinoff of Fantastic Four, kind of related to uh, The Unstoppable Wasp, kind of related to Power Pack, written by Jeremy Whitley, who I'm a big fan of. Um, I think issue three comes out this week and it's already slated to be canceled with issue five. But Rob said if Marvel had come to him to do variant covers for this book, it would have been saved. That one I have to call shenanigans on, Joe. I mean, the Rob's a genius, but to say like a book that's getting canceled at five, that book didn't even get the six issues that normally a trade gets it tanked big. I don't care what he could have did on those covers. They weren't, he wasn't saving future foundation. Oh my God. That's, that's ego right there. Well, uh, okay. So I'll say this. It wouldn't have saved the book, but it might've gotten at that sixth issue. If the sales were as bad as, you know, canceled at issue five would lead you to believe. I disagree because what would happen with Future Foundation, they would do some screw screwy number that you'd have to get as many Future Foundation 2s as you bought of, I don't know, Absolute Carnage to get the Rob Liefeld, and nobody was going to do that. That's if it was if it was DC where they have their 50-50 variants, order them as as much as you want. But we all know how they play fast and loose with the numbers at Marvel when it comes to variants. They wouldn't have made that Rob Liefeld variant just, oh, buy as many as you want. You'd have to buy X amount of issues or a percentage. And who's doing that to get one Rob as you know, as popular as Rob is with his fans? How how low did this book sell? that you would play those numbers. Nobody, nobody would bite on them. The only people who would have them is Midtown comics and stuff like that, that they, they sell enough books that if the number was 50 or a hundred copies of future foundation, number two, they would sell that and not have a problem. I think the biggest issue with uh, future foundation was that it was not close enough to wasp. To be like a uh, a follow up to Wasp, not close enough to Fantastic Four current to be Fantastic Four current, and it was a stealth power pack book. Um, and I get why they probably wanted to call it Future Foundation. I think if they called it Power Pack something, get Power Pack in there, there's enough of a market out there that would read a Power Pack book if they knew it was a Power Pack book, even without Rob covers. Right. I I still disagree because I looked at that book. I don't I don't know. You like it and I don't mean to like say anything about it but like I looked at the art and stuff like that. I was like this book this book's never going to fly. Just it ne- just I, I don't know. That's just my opinion though. 
I get you. I, I get what you're saying. Um, and of course, the last bit of Rob, uh, the Rob news in the Rob Watch is uh, we talked before about him fighting with a bunch of people that just started Twitter accounts less than a year ago. But more importantly, he was not only fighting with, but taking his fellow creators to task using the hashtag no feet. Pointing out many, many of his uh, compatriots, whether it be Frank Frazetta, of all people. Oh, my God. Todd, Mc, Todd McFarlane, Mike Magnolia, Mark Silvestri, amongst others, stating that how could people say, I can't draw feet when these people don't draw feet? Mm, all right. Let's, uh, you know, I will stay. <laughs> I will state I've 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 taken this stance firmly when it comes to Mignola, and we have a close friend who loves uh, Mignola, um, that he never draws anything but Hellboy on a rock with the scraggly tree behind him. So I don't know if his feet are there or what, but he he's a one trick pony. I preferred Mike Mignola before uh, he before he did like Cosmic Odyssey. That's kind of where his art changed. Um, I'm going to say McFarlane. I was never a big McFarlane guy. I always thought his art was kind of wonky. Um, so who was the other one? Silvestri? Silvestri, yes. Silvestri. I was never a Silvestri guy. Let's just keep Frazetta right out of this conversation. Yeah, but, really? Uh, Frazetta's pretty darn good. Um, but but I look at I look at McFarlane. I, I don't think he's that much better of an artist than Rob, but the rest of those guys are way better uh, artists than the Rob, so... I don't know where you stand on any of those guys. Uh, I think Magnolia's definitely got a style. Mm -hmm. I put him above the others. There's something a little bit more... Like, obviously, all four of these artists... Again, Frazetta out of the equation. (laughs) Right. You know, we're not comparing apples and oranges at this point. We're we're comparing apples and steak at that point. You know what I mean? Where where Rob says, I've sold millions of copies and where Frazetta can go, my painting, my one of my painting goes for millions. So like, let's all relax. Right. So uh, all these guys have very distinctive styles. And I think where I lay my cards is that Magnolia, I think has a more distinct style Mm -hmm. that more people recognize more, maybe because of the more the Hellboy movies where, you know, you can mix up a Sylvester, you can mix up a McFarlane, you can mix up mix up a The Rob. And, you know, six of one, half a dozen the other, they all came up at the same time. They all came from the same schooling of, of art. And, you know, listen, I like The Rob, but, you know, I like his uh, personality more than his art, you know? Right. Uh, Sylvester, uh, Sylvester, I think, makes a more striking cover image. And being that McFarlane did a ton of Spider-Man stuff, I really like uh, McFarlane the most out of them. I really liked uh, his his time um, on Spider-Man, the way that his stuff was colored there. When his uh, McFarlane's art moved over to Spawn, and they did like the digital coloring and stuff. Right. I think it took a little something away from McFarlane's art. Right. And then he didn't draw that much after that. Right. Well, he... Uh... Let's say, like, maybe, like, the first two or three years of Spawn he did, and then he turned it over to Capullo. Right. And then, was it Capullo right out of the gate after that? Almost certain. Okay, because I want to try to remember where Platt was in there. Remember when Platt was a thing? I remember Platt got his big break on Moon Knight at Marvel. And I think if 
anything Platt ended up doing profit. Didn't he do? Didn't he do a spawn for a while? I remember because his name was S. Platt. Everybody called him Splat, which I thought was cool. I don't have like the the the, the like his bibliography in front of me. I might be able to find something while we're talking here, but. I think it was Stephen. But I don't know. It's, you know, the Rob kind of poking fun at his own uh, compatriots. Is, uh, I think it's that's a new one for the Rob, you know? Right. Uh, it comes down to, I'm just kind of getting tired of him now. Really? Yeah. I mean, go, you know what? Just go and try to hold on to the characters you have left. How about that? <laughs> like, you go do that. Like, try not to lose any more rights to anything. Concentrate on that. But, I don't know. So I'm looking. I don't see Platt anywhere in the first 50 issues of Spawn. Mm-hmm. So then it was Capullo. I believe. I just. I like uh, Image. I like now. I'm. I'm all in on Image. When Image. When the Image Boys went over and they. They did. I would. I refuse to buy an Image comic for like the first six years of Image. Like I was oh, like, really? never, I'll never put money in any of their pockets. Oh, Capullo actually. And again, my apologies here. Capullo start doing the art around issue sixteen of Spawn. Mm-hmm. I knew I it thought, wasn't that long. I thought Todd was on there a little bit longer than that. No, that's when he started making the cashola, and then he just, like, disappeared. He was still writing the book, I think. But... Right. Todd was still writing, so we're looking 16... If you remember, there was, like, that 17, 18, 19. That was, like, some weird, uh, like, a little three-parter thing that they were running so far behind that they just skipped it. Mm-hmm. And they just jumped ahead. So those three were the first ones, technically, that Capullo did, but they're out of order. Right. So, 21, 22, and then 23 was actually in, like, the actual correct publishing order <laughs> that it start coming up on the art byline. It's a story in art by Todd McFarlane with help from Greg Capullo. So he was probably doing all the heavy lifting. <laughs> right. It probably was. Probably was. Um. So there's those... So that's 23-24. 25 was an anniversary issue, so that's all done by Todd. Uh, 26. Capullo is in to help. 27-28 is kind of like bouncing around. Like, Greg Capullo's doing like every, like, other issue there. Mm-hmm. And then it's issue 30 where it officially goes over to just Greg Capullo on art. That's when Todd started hand sculpting those little Nicky figures. Yeah. So, but what are you going to do? Right. Like I said, I was never a big Todd fan. My favorite Todd McFarlane stuff was, I'll admit was when he, when he did the, the Spider-Man comic that was just called the Spider-Man and that had all those funky uh, platinum, silver, and gold webbing covers. Yeah, yeah. That's when the good times were, Joe. That was the height of the comic books industry. It'll never be that good again. It never will be. <laughs> no, actually, it'll be better. I like it the way it is. Mm-hmm. I like I like my comics the way they are today as well. Mm-hmm. I feel good about today's comic books. 
So a place that you can get some of those old comic books or maybe even some new comic books is at comic book conventions. And there is a bucket load of them this weekend. Ooh. Uh, we've got the Ladies Con in Somerville, Massachusetts. Uh, Ming Doyle and Joe Canones lead guests there. The Plattsburgh Comic Con. Uh, not a lot of comic book guests, but this is one of those interesting green rooms that I'd love to be a fly <laughs> on the wall for. Uh, okay. That being Corbin Burnson and Tito Santana. Oh, L.A. Good. Law. That's right. And El Matador himself, Tito Santana. Uh, the CaperCon in Sydney, Nova Scotia, up there, way, way up in Canada. Uh, Ed Brisson and Nick Bradshaw are going to be there. Mm-hmm. Edmonton Expo in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. George Takei is going to be there. Mike Zek, Rags Morales. And uh, from the world of sports and entertainment, uh, Sasha Banks is going to be there. Bronny Strowman is going to be there. Irish wrestling sensation Rick O'Shea is going to be there. And uh, Adam is asked to borrow the Chikaris and Chop copter for the weekend because Alexa Bliss is going to be there. Uh, all points bulletin in Edmonton, Canada. That's right. I told him just because it's in a different country doesn't mean it's international waters. To still be careful. That's right. He needs one of those cruises, one of them rat wrestling cruises. Oh boy, that's sold out. And I think, well, the less said about that, the better. I hear a lot of wrestlers love international waters. Mm. Anything goes. Speaking of which, Wizard World Sacramento sees Jason Momoa, and I tell you, man. That's one of the things that's helping those Wizard World cons. They must assign Jason Momoa to some sort of exclusive con because that's the only place he shows up. That's right. Uh, got he'll that be there. Lori Petty is going to be there. Richard Grieco is going to be there. Ooh. And yet, adding that that little bit of uh, that little bit of uh, spice, that little bit of Spectrox to that green room. The Honky Tonk <laughs> Man is also going to be there as well. <laughs> Spicy Spectrox. Mm-hmm. Uh, Harrisburg Comic and Pop Con, uh, right in our relative neck of the woods. Uh, Mark McKenna, Will Torres, Billy Tucci, and Jake the Snake Roberts will be there. Incredible Con in Charleston, South Carolina. Ed McGinnis and Jay Lee. The Oz Comic Con in Brisbane, Australia. Uh, Nicholas Scott and Tom Taylor are going to be there. And another one that I just had to mention in the Baltics Comic-Con, in Villanueus the Baltics, David Faustino is going to be there. Oh my goodness. Now, this is just the tip of the iceberg of what we have to discuss with the conventions this week, because there's two more that I purposely left off this discussion right now. Okay. One is the Windsor Comic-Con, and I think that's taking place in uh, Windsor, Ontario, Canada. Uh, we've got a bunch of uh, media guests there. The Brooklyn Brawler is going to be there. Steve Lombardi himself. Uh, Derek Mears, who you would know better as the Swamp Thing from the canceled Swamp Thing TV show that we discussed <laughs> this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris Claremont's going to be there. Jason Fabok is going to be there. And David Finch is going to be there. Right. Now, as I'm putting my list of things together, of course, I always notice little things and sometimes how a convention is put together a website is put together and sometimes how it's not put together right right and then i noticed something interesting with the windsor comic-con guest list as i'm going through uh the comic book thing so usually they'll have your list of guests 
And then you go to a different page for pricing, right? Right. So I'm looking at the comic book stuff, and I see Chris Claremont's going to be there. And uh, five bucks uh, is an autograph. And you right. can get a five buck selfie with him. Do you want a verification witness with him? That's ten bucks. That would be the CGC people. No, okay, they're not saying CGC. Just says verification witness. Okay. This is the first time that I've seen it actually specifically advertised. On now, the website. On the website where it specifically says, here's the autograph price. And again, we'll get into artists as well. Here's the autograph price. Here's the separate price if you want the verification witness. Mm-hmm. Uh, we go into like Bob McLeod. Bob McLeod, it's first autograph fee. Uh, first autograph is free. Except on a New Mutants book, and then everything is five bucks thereafter. That's so that's five bucks per signature. Uh, witness there is twenty bucks, which is the going rate for everybody else. Everybody else is twenty bucks verification witness. Claremont's only a ten dollar verification witness, right? Well, now just like you said, that verification witness is whether it be there's other companies other than CGC, but if you're getting that book with the signature series slab, that's what they mean. Okay. I guarantee it. Now that's that, the thing. I get what you're saying. Signature series slab. They don't say that here. So I don't know what I'm getting. Like, you need to clarify that. Is that going to count towards signature series slab? Yes, that's what that means. I've been, because I follow that one Facebook, uh, multiple Facebook pages, where they have pricing on like they're like hey this is what people at the last con like x x y and z were sketching head sketches or this uh full bodies or this bigger stuff's that blah 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 and then for signatures any when they say a witness signature that means that you're getting the signature series from whatever company slabbed i'll like that's just trust me on that you say you don't know what you're getting from going to shows a lot of shows recently and being on these websites that's what that means because you getting this book signed and it's official it's not just me you signing the book like joe sposto and then like there's no like if i try to sell that well there's no sig there's no witness no signature series you the, there's money to be made on that stuff anytime a signature happens on a big expensive book it it adds money so they're like hey if you're gonna make money off this if you can possibly make money off this i want my cut too and okay. that's what that is okay right but so this came up to me because this is the first time that i've ever seen it advertised right no i'm just making because you're saying you're not sure what you're getting right I'm just trying to explain it to you now, the last one that we're going to discuss is the Cincinnati Comic Expo. Mm-hmm. All comic book folks, very little on the media guest side. Uh, Frank Cho, Adam Kubert, Frank Thierry, uh, Art Balthazar is going to be there. However, the guests of honor at this convention is Amanda Connor and Jimmy Palmiotti. Right. As a separate price from your ticket, there is another price that you can get. For something that they call the Connor and Palmiotti experience. Yep. For for that experience, that package includes three signatures from each, an exclusive print, an exclusive show badge, which is the same art that's on the print, and you get a photo op with the two of them, plus access to their panel. Mm -hmm. How much extra is that on top of your ticket? $300. That's $75 extra on top of your ticket. All right. 
I, I think you're going to go up one. There's going to be a three or five hundred dollar one, I think. But go ahead. Okay. There's not. Oh, okay. So Vince that's not doing sketches. But go ahead. That's the that's the Connor and Palmiotti experience. Then there's the Connor and Palmiotti deluxe experience. Okay. That is all of the things that I just mentioned before, plus specifically stating CGC witnessing on all signatures. Right. How much is that? Mm, the first one was $75. Two. How much extra on top of the $75 is the witnessing for the three signatures? I'm going to say it's like with the X, I don't know the math. The whole package will be 200, 250, somewhere there. 135. Right, I'm bad at this. Mm-hmm. But on one hand, I say I, if I had a little bit more of an expendable budget, I would spend this because I really like Amanda Connor and Jimmy Palmiotti. Right. Two, I like the fact that this convention is treating these specific creators or any other creators in the future as a marquee guest. Mm -hmm. That there's a separate prize pack, like a separate package, not for a media guest, not for, you know, what they were doing with Stanley at the end. These are current, active, vibrant, known creators that this convention is treating as the marquee guests of their convention. Yes. Now, this is not a new thing. It's I've actually known about this with other people and stuff like that. It's, okay, called the experience, or there's a VIP package. Like, uh, Jim Lee had had uh, at a recent show. I, want to, I forget which one it is. Maybe it's New York coming up, or it was one of the past ones, where it was like, hey, to get a Jim Lee signature is not easy, Joe. It's like one of those no. that you, you have to get in line or there's a lottery or wristbands or whatever. So they have these these VIP packages where it's like $300. You get it and it's like you're guaranteed, you know, X amount of signatures and you can have them CGC witnessed and blah, blah, blah. And it'll be like buku money. Then, like, I remember Kusada was doing a few shows and he's like, I never take commissions. Here's a VIP package. Like $800, $1,000, I don't remember what it was. You get all this, prints, comics, sign, and I'll do head sketches, which I never do. So so there have been a ton of these, and they've been on the websites. They've just been mixed in with either the ticket prices or photo ops, like with the big, like the big stars. So you're getting like, hey, get your picture taken with Walking Dead or Game of Thrones. Those are going to be all the top of the page and you have to scroll down to get to uh, the comic people. And it's becoming more and more prevalent, which I do like because, Hey, it's no skin off my nose. Cause I actually don't like signatures on my comics for the most part. Uh, charge anything you want. I don't care. Cause I'm not after them. It's when they want to charge more for art that I get a little, uh, cause I like that, but I understand it's your, it's your thing to draw, pay, charge whatever you want. If you can get it, Go with God. That's what I say. Right. So I guess the reason I bring it up is, as you had mentioned, of course, you know, typically this is more so done for your media guests, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas, and as you said, that they've done this before for a VIP thing with different comic book creators. But typically you're going like, even just to get the prices for, and you mentioned New York Comic Con. So I'm just kind of putzing around on New York Comic Con and they have the separate thing for the media guests, right? 
Mm-hmm. But you have to go through like three or four different things before you even get to what the pricing are and what the schedule are and any sort of different VIP packages for right. media guests, let alone comic book guests, right? Right. Well, New York's a different animal, but yeah. Right. Okay. So New York's a different animal. I'm only mentioning New York because you brought, you know, you said New York, right? Right. Just. But I'm saying Cincinnati Comic Con, you go to their website. And yes. As part of the little scrolling thing, they're like, oh, here's a bunch of people that do the My Hero Academia odd, like uh, the voice cast. Here's a bunch of Star Wars people. Here's a bunch of Firefly people. And here's the Amanda and Jimmy experience. Like, boom, right in your face. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they're treating it, putting it out there, letting you know up front. Gotcha. Because that also helps the the the, the consumer. Because obviously if you know that they're doing this and you're a fan of Jimmy and Amanda, you're going to be more inclined to go to see them at this show mm-hmm. if you know about this ahead of time. As opposed to showing up and being like, oh yeah, it's now it's an extra 75 bucks if you want to do X, Y, Z. But a lot of these, Joe, and I understand, a lot of these are what do you want to what do they call that badge at disneyland that gets you on the ride up front fast pass fast pass you have to look at these as jimmy and amanda will sign throughout the day but this is a way to get bumped like we're gonna do only so many of these and with jim lee it's like the same way it's like you know what you can wait in line for five hours because my line's going to be huge or you could pay the $135 and we're only going to do that for one hour of the day and you'll get all your signatures in 15 minutes and you can go your separate ways. Mm -hmm. So it's not like uh, now I'm not going to say every person who's doing the VIP package or the experience is going to do signings, but every show I've been at Jimmy and Amanda will sit at a table somewhere and sign for free but the line is going to be excruciating. Right. You know what I mean? So there's like, what I'm saying is, it's like, you're getting so much more. And yes, if you're just going for a signature, yes, but you're guaranteed a certain number of signatures. You're guaranteed an exclusive print. Right. You're guaranteed access to this exclusive panel. Right. Like I said, I just don't know how much you know about this. I'm not trying to, you know, talk down. So I'm just trying to explain it best as I can, Joe. Right. And that's why I wanted to bring it up and kind of, address it with you as I was discovering it, you know? Mm -hmm. So all the links to all these conventions, if you're near any of them, are in the show notes for this episode, which uh, is over at soontobenamednetwork.com or soontobenamednetwork.tumblr.com. Anytime any of these shows go live in our network of like-minded individuals, whether it be this show, whether it be Profane Arguments, Puzzle Warriors 3, uh, At Odds with Wrestling, Final Wrestling Place, or Wednesday Night War. Anytime these shows go up, and I'm home and I'm near the computer and I could do it, I'll put them up on the site. You could find them. Anytime any of these other folks are on other shows and they let me know, I put it up on the site. It's the one-stop catch-all for everything in soon-to-be-named network outside of their individual sites and SoundClouds and Lispins and wherever else everybody else has their shows. One-stop shopping, everything where you need it, soon-to-be-namednetwork.com, soon-to-be-namednetwork.tumblr.com. Also, in the show notes for this episode is some digital sales going on. The freebies have not changed in almost a month, so I'm getting nervous. Uh, Hmm. Marvel is having a bunch of sales going on currently. Uh, They're having a sale on Ultron-related stuff, as well as Agents of Wakanda-related stuff. 
the previous IDW fantasy and gaming and image sci-fi sales that we mentioned last week are still ongoing. Caliber Press is having a sale on their entire line of books until the end of the month. And, you know, remember when Batman Day used to be a much bigger thing? Yes. And now it feels as though Batman Day is not what it used to be. It's not the only way I, and we do a podcast about stuff we should know. The only way I knew that it was Batman Day this weekend was because it was a question on Jeopardy this week. And and as they were doing it, uh, Alex Trebek was like, you know, and the question was, who did they fight? In the, who did Batman fight in his first Batman issue number one? Not Detective Comics 27. This clown prince of crime. And they're like, the Joker. And then after he's like, you're correct. And also, it's Batman Day and all your comic shops this Saturday across the country. And I was like, that's weird. I never thought I would get Batman Day information from Alex Trebek. Did you say suck at Trebek afterwards? <laughs> I did not because I respect Alex right now and what he's going through. That's true. I will say uh, with my kid, he wants the newest Pokemon game that's coming out for the Switch. Mm-hmm. And they, there's two different iterations. Like anytime these Pokemon games come out, you can get like two different ones like Sun and Moon, Black and White, this and this. The new one that's coming out is uh, Pokemon uh, Shield or Pokemon S-Word. Okay. It's Sword and Shield. Oh, I got you. But I always say Pokemon S-word. And he thinks I'm insinuating that I'm swearing. And I'm like, no, no, I'm just trying to make a joke. It's funny when you explain it. Yes. (laughs) So all the links to those, uh, as mentioned, will be in the show notes. Uh, Todd, what are we talking about in books this week? I say we start with the book that we were both looking forward to. uh, King Thor, number one. uh, Written by Jason Aaron. Art by Asad Ribic. Basically, this is the end. This miniseries of four parters is going to be the end of all of Jason Aaron's run. We're in the far flung future. Uh, the Girls of Thunder, which are the three granddaughters to King Thor, are on the lookout in the in the library, the gods' library, looking for answers to maybe stop the entropy, the destruction of Earth and the universe. And they end up running into, uh, I want to say his name is Shadrach. I don't know how to pronounce it, but he was from all the way back in Thor, God of Thunder. He was the God of bombs and he ended up becoming the librarian there and they go to him for help. And he's kind of out of it. Like he's, he's been alone for so long and he tells him, well, you kind of have to go through time and go to this one place. And he gives him a clue to where they have to go. And then these shadow creatures show up. We find out that are being controlled by Loki in the future and he's got the the sword i can't remember what the name of the sword was off the, the top of necro it. sword the necro sword and he's controlling it and he's trying to destroy everything and he's like it's finally time for me to bring down everything about you and i hate you and it's my destiny to kill you blah 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 and they end up having a battle and then somebody shows up at the end to maybe you know we're gonna see where that goes and i'm all in on this i mean i've been in since god of uh thor god of thunder i'm not gonna jump ship in the last four issues it's my favorite iteration of the jason aaron thors that he wrote he wrote the young the the current thor and the king thor Assad. i mean this this book was made for me i'm enjoying it it was fun the fight was great i want to see how this plays out Right. So, uh, you know, we get a little bit of cliffhanger, of course, and we're getting the through line. We're getting a majority of, you know, King Thor, Old Man Thor, however it is, 
Uh, they're kind of setting things up for one last battle between he and Loki, of course, who's now all-powerful, while the world is being destroyed around him, right? Mm-hmm. Essentially, because we learned through some of the annuals and some of the back matter that the world was destroyed, and King Thor recreated the world. And now his his creation, the new world that he made, is now being destroyed. Mm-hmm. So there's only four issues, and with what we get at the end of this issue, it seems to me that each of these issues are kind of going to be cliffhangered by different parts of Jason Aaron's run, if that makes any sense. I, I guess a little bit. We're going to get, and we're only one issue in, and it's just a hunch. I'm not really sure, and this isn't a bad thing or a good thing. Kind of the, it's poetry, it rhymes version of Jason Aaron's seven-year run in these four issues. We had a threat that was introduced in the first part of his run, we get a threat that was introduced in the middle. We get a threat that was issued toward the end. And mm-hmm. I feel a lot of that is going to be revisited here. Not so much as in a greatest hit sort of thing, but more in a history repeats itself sort of thing. Right. The Ragnarok kind of thing. Like the, 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 the Norse gods have these motifs that keep coming around. So he's right. kind of use, using that. I get what you're saying. I think it's going to be a little different. I, I have a feeling that I'm wondering, I hope that everything just ends. I hope that in the end, because like the whole thing of we're at the end of the universe, the suns are burnt out. There's nothing left. I'm like that we have to go maybe two people from from the the Thor's world that he created pass over to the next universe. But I have a feeling that like the beginning, the end, it has to end. And hopefully maybe, you know, Thor passes on, but he lets these people go over because I just don't see how you could save the end of the universe, if that makes any sense. Well, I, don't know. I, I definitely get what you're saying is that things need to be destroyed, mm-hmm. but are they not going to print a Thor book after this? No, what I think is maybe there will be some wibble, because this always happens. When you set anything in stone in the future, wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey things come into play where they're like, all this was a possible future. Do you know what I mean? Because no writer wants to set the next writer's future in stone mm-hmm. or even if they do the first thing out of the gate with the next writer who takes over the Thor book goes, I found the time gem and it changes everything. And now the, there's a world of possibilities because that's the worst thing you can do is box the next writer in. Well, that is something that used to happen quite often with uh, the writers. Uh, you know, I'll never forget. I know, you did not read this, but a lot of the goings-ons with the Daredevil run, the pre-Mark Wade Daredevil run, <laughs> was, you know, Bendis takes over the book. He ends his run by putting, you know, everyone knows that Matt Murdock is Daredevil and Matt Murdock's in jail. And now, Ed Brubaker, you figure you figure way out of this. <laughs> right. So then Ed Brubaker does his run. Everything leads up to whatever the Shadowlands thing was. Mm-hmm. and it's like, okay, well, now Matt's out of jail, everyone still knows that he's Matt Murdock as Daredevil, and he's also a villain who's taken over New York and is running like a super ninja army. Now, you Andy Diggle, you get your way out of this. And then Mark Wade was the next one on, and Mark Wade was just like, yeah, all that other stuff happened, but I got a different story to tell. So. Yeah, that's what'll happen here. Right. 
so it'll be very interesting to see. I just feel as though we're going to get, you know, as I mentioned, this kind of revisiting of the seven-year run by Jason Aaron. And then kind of, as Todd mentioned, a clean slate for the next person to come in. Do you think we'll get a Thor book right out of the gate? Or do you think he'll be hanging around in Jason Aaron's Avengers for a while? Nope. I think we're going to get a new book. And do you think he'll still be in Avengers then? Uh, I don't know. We'll, that I don't know. I, I'm just curious, you know. I think we'll know what the, you know, obviously December solicitations for Marvel are out. That's issue four of this run. I don't think we're going to find out who, who or what is next for Thor. But I have a feeling that by the time New York Comic Con rolls around, which is less than a month away, we'll know for sure. Because that's right when the January solicitations are coming out. We'll have the announcement of the new creative team on Thor, the new direction, where it ties in, where it fits in. Just so you know, it's two weeks to New York. So, oh, it's two Which, weeks. It's that close. Yeah, yeah, it's not. It's not the. It's uh, yeah, because we're. I have the countdown clock on my phone ready to go on all cons that I'm attending. Mm-hmm. And as of right now, I'm looking at the New York Comic Con. It is 15 days, 10 hours, 56 minutes away. There you go. So two weeks from now, at New York Comic Con, we'll know what's going on with Thor come 2020. I just, you know, I can't believe how quick it came, you know? Mm-hmm. And then you got Baltimore at the end of the month, probably. Yeah, which is weird because Baltimore is usually before New York, so this yep. completely throws me off. Yeah. And we just found out that Jonah Hex, the guy who plays Jonah Hex on Legends of Tomorrow, is going to be at Baltimore. May have to get a Mark photo. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. So. One of the other books that we read from this past week, which will kind of lead into a little bit of some of the other books that we might have read from this past week as well, which is Riddler, Year of the Villain Number 1, written by Mark Russell, with art by Scott Godaleski. Mm-hmm. So there's a whole bunch of these one-shots that are going on, which tie into the Year of the Villain stuff, which essentially is that day of, not day of judgment... What was the Mark Wade thing with Neron from the late 90s called? Oh, um... Neron, it was oh my god, what the heck was it called? I hate when that happens. <sighs> I can't I can't see it on my shelf, but you know what I'm talking about. So this this is essentially a redo of that, but it's essentially uh what Lex we talked about Lex Luthor and Brainiac have joined together. And mm. they're giving all the villains like upgrades of their powers or like whatever it is, right? Underworld Unleashed. Underworld Unleashed, thank you. So this is essentially Underworld Unleashed, but, um, you know, now with Lex Luthor at the helm instead of Neron. Uh, This issue, written by Mark Russell, as mentioned, is essentially the Riddler lamenting with King Tut, just called (laughs) Tut, why didn't Luthor come and pick him? He -hmm. picked all these other villains. Here's Sinestro. Here's this one. Here's that one. They all got the touch from Lex Luthor. Why not me? What about me? What about Riddler? (laughs) Oh, sad Eddie Enigma. (laughs) So uh, we do get in the middle of the book uh, a visit from Lex Luthor by, you know, to the Riddler. And what Lex Luthor gives the Riddler is different than what he gives everyone else. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to avoid spoilers. I'm not reading all the Year of the Villain stuff kind of picking and choosing. I'm now, this this was an event that was so far off my radar Mm-hmm. Todd has been the one. It's like, oh, hey, Mark Russell wrote this one. Hey, hey, Mark Russell wrote this one. 
And then the Sinestro one I was just getting because I'm a, I'm a sucker for Sinestro. I'm going to get anything that has Sinestro in it or on it or whatever. And we talked about that one when that came out a couple of weeks later because of some of the themes and uh, discussions that came up. And I have a feeling that Todd has a lot of the same or similar themes or thoughts or theories regarding uh, what happens in this book. No, actually, this one's di- different. I just noticed now that I'm reading m- much more Mark Russell than I think you are. You're reading some. I've been reading, you know, this. I read his Red Sonia. I read his uh, Wonder Twins. You read the Wonder Twins, too, I know. But, like, I, a big thing, especially with Red Sonia in this book, is he's big on parables and, he, like, teaching people through a story or whatever. And that happens in this. And I w- I'm, was really down with this issue. I, lo- I loved it. Um, one for that. The goofiness of Mark Russell is still in there, like the Wonder Twins. But there is a serious thing where where Riddler's not getting the respect. And the the when Luthor comes to him and tells him the, the parable, it's like, wow, there's some wisdom in this. And, like, there, like, there's seriousness in the, like, you know, I don't know if I've failed you or you failed yourself. And Riddler takes all this to heart. And at the end, like, changes are made. And I, I'm like, anybody else I might have been, ah, I don't know, I don't want you messing with the Riddler. But if Mark Russell's on board for a version of the Riddler that he kind of established here... I'm all for it. And the other thing is I just love the, the humor and the fun and the like of his books. I don't, I don't know. It's like the next iteration of, we said, you know, there was the justice league international, the justice league international reminds superior foes of Spider-Man had that and reminded Um, this reminds me of all that, but with like a deeper part of it and with second coming, I don't know. I just think there's a lot, to not only read but learn from Mark Russell as I as I read his comics. I don't know. I'm I'm becoming a a, a Mark Russell, you know, uh, acolyte. That's all I could say. So uh, I'm not reading Red Sonia. I read the first two issues of it uh, at your behest because Mark Russell was writing it and I really enjoyed it. But it was just one of those things where it's just like I got so much other stuff to read. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really did enjoy this. Uh, I I got a vibe from the Riddler and King Tut, as you mentioned, some of the, you know, your Justice League Internationals, your Superior Foes of Spider-Man, your things like that. Uh, I got a very much heel Booster Gold and Blue Beetle vibe from Riddler and King Tut. That's a good take on what they, they, they are together. Right. And I think that would have been a great thing to explore. Maybe they can still explore it somewhere down the line, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, as Todd mentioned, there's a big status quo change. My only concern about that is, th- while it's an interesting status quo change, where is that going to fit in? Is that going to does that have to not happen until Year of the Villain is over? Does that not ha- can that not happen until whatever Tom King is doing in Batman is over? Or is that something that they DC and Mark Russell feel so strongly about that they're just going to do regardless of these other things? Well, that all comes Quite up to... Quite be cryptic and vague, you know what I no, mean? No, I got you. It's the, will, the, will the changes that they're making start now or later? That's pretty much the question you're asking. Right. Um, or is this going to be a thing that, unfortunately, because of Year of the Villain is this big event, the Tom King Batman is this year event, this big event, um, Bendis coming in on Batman after this is this big event, is this Riddler thing going to get lost in the shuffle and just kind of never get acknowledged again? That's a possibility. That is a real possibility. Um, uh, but I think 
DC has after the the second coming debacle and some of the word of mouth and Mark Russell winning awards for like Snagglepuss and Flintstones and they want to keep they want to keep him around because he's an up and comer so I do think maybe they will give him the the Riddler book or whatever he's leading this into and as we come to the end of Batman with King and he's going to go do his bat and the cat I have a feeling that the, that maybe his time when he gets to bat and the cat, the Riddler story will be a thing of the past. So they're, they have free reign to do what they want. And when it comes to that, when you have you're the villain going on in Batman and Doomsday Clock is late, traffic cops as editors, it's over. Do it, do what you want. Because how does this, how does this Riddler fit into the one we're seeing in in Batman with Tom King? Because they have two different feels. I'm willing to let all that slide, just do what you want. And some things in one continuity, some things in another, I, just tell me a good story. <laughs> right. I, I don't know. Basically so, a know, long way, way around to tell you, I don't know. Right. So, you know, you, you talk about that. We talk about wonder twin seven, which, which came out this past week. And again, to touch on it, I want to, you know, cause we've kind of ragged it by we, I mean me on Marvel and their solicitations. Mm-hmm. Uh, how the solicitation says one thing and what actually happened in the book is another thing. Like with Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man last week? Right, Friendly Neighborhood right. Spider-Man. The Wonder Twin 7 solicitation says, as Jaina learns to deal with loss, Zan finally gets his varsity letter in hockey. Will he finally gain the popular social status he craves? Hmm, there's that's, kind of some truth in there. There's a little truth in there, but they're like leaving out like, that's like with the the B and C stories are the A story is kind of left to the side, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of stuff in here. And Mark Russell, I say this all the time. Mark Russell writes a great Superman. The, yes. the bits that he's done with Superman and uh, Jaina during this entire run have been great. And you know, Zan is kind of like looked at as like a, a dunderhead and a lunkhead and just like kind of a goof, mm-hmm. but. Jaina is like the heart of this book and can be the heart of, you know, a, a team book or, you know, moved up to a big league book, but let her stay here where she can build, you know, she's feeling the grief over what happened at the end of issue six about like costing her, like sending her best friend to jail. Right. Right. And I think you hit it on the nose with this. The, the, the wonder twins is a book that's filled with heart and Jaina is that and Superman's there with that but what Jaina does we get the the character that's in it that's that that his powers is he stinks really bad as it goes on and we get nuggets of knowledge about animal life and what what Jaina does at the end was truly touching like truly as I'm reading this I'm like she like as in a book where they talk about what a hero is and you, you don't you have to walk the walk Jaina walks the walk where like you said, Zan is like about the the social media, and he wants to be popular. And there's just some great th- things from like a Superman speech. And at no point am, am I going, "This is corny." I'm like, I'm standing up and saluting. I'm like, "Thank you, Mister Superman. Thank you." This it. I love Wonder Twins. Sorry, I got a little excited there. Yeah, it's a great book. Mm-hmm. And I was very happy to see some friends of mine, of course, uh, tweeting, out, tweeting out about the book. I know they don't listen to this show, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. I have a feeling they don't. Anyway, um, it's a great book. Uh, but with all this Mark Russell stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I worry 
Because, Todd, we've been here before. We've been in the situation where we, like, kind of get uh, all hyped up about a specific uh, creator, right? Mm-hmm. And then sometimes maybe something happens where maybe there's an issue or an interaction or something <laughs> that happens where, you know, it's, it's happened once, but all I need is for it to happen once, you know? Right. And then you lose the heart and soul of what that char- that, that creator is to you. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, um, like a Mark Russell, we're keeping with it. And I'm looking forward to what he's going to be uh, doing in the near future. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's what we read from this past week. Uh, Sadly, there is no uh, Mutant Minute this week. Oh. I was informed, uh, quote, there was not enough to talk about that happened in the one (laughs) issue of X-Men that came out this past week Mm -hmm. to necessitate a minute about, which usually runs about five to seven minutes. Mm -hmm. Uh, But... You mean there wasn't enough convoluted story to do a mutant minute? It says it says this most recent issue was a flashback issue where Mr. Sinister was doing comedy bits. I have oh. nothing to work with. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Shecky Sinister. <laughs> but that just leaves us more time to talk about what we're looking forward to coming out this week. And Todd, I'm not looking to you to correct me on this, but when you head over to longboxheroes.com every Tuesday around 5.30 Eastern Time or so, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. Whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you get them shipped to your home, however it is that you get your books, uh, know what's coming out. We attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. And I think I fudged the numbers a little bit. It's supposed to be 30 correct guesses for you and 23 for me. I know you have a seven... Uh, book lead over me but some of my notes say 30 and some of them say 31 but i think it's 30 you know what i'll 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 give you the point okay that way i'll i'm I'll, not you know shave it point. i haven't earned that point right i'll shave it off there and you know mm-hmm. so but so uh looking at the list you know you go first is the book you're looking forward to most inferior five number one it is inferior five number one uh, written by Jeff Lemire with uh, second features by Salty Keith himself, Keith Giffen. And I think that's the book that you're also most looking forward to uh, coming out this week. A book set in 80s DC continuity with the possibility of Rocket Reds? I am all over Inferior 5, Joe. It is my pick of next week. This was one of those things where I knee-jerked to the aforementioned Mark Russell's second coming. I'm like, ah, oh, we've been on second coming to the last two issues. Of course, it'll be number three. Let me get all my links together. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Inferior five comes out this week. Mm-hmm. That's all. Yep. And we've been on a Mark Russell tear. So mm-hmm. let's give let's give Salty Keith the rub. He needs it. Right. I I recently found that photo. I know you have it as well. <laughs> With all me. the recent uh, maneuvering of some photos that I've been doing lately, I stumbled upon that one as well. Right. Good good photo. One of my favorite photos. Yes, yes. And uh, I would also be remiss uh, while discussing this before we do the push for all the stuff over at longboxheroes.com. We are in the midst of football season, Todd. Yes, we are. And what would football season be without the pigskin pickums? 
Uh, I think we're heading into week three. By the time you listen to this, it's probably too late. Uh, but hey, you know, I'm sure people are going to start falling off. So why not you come in? I think we've already had one person not do their picks in week two already. Yep, it happens. We lose somebody early every year. Yes. And I'm in 39th place out of 44 people. Uh, pretty terrible. You can listen to my picks over on uh, After Dark this week. And I'm looking for you, Todd. Where are you on this? Uh, I'm not sure where I am off the top of my head. I'm struggling. Yeah, you're 21st place. You're tied for 21st with a plethora of folks. Yeah, I'll, I'll move up again. I like to I like to stumble so I could run to catch up and make it look all the better, you mm-hmm. know? We, uh, Joey Shoots, uh, I know long time, uh, I'm not sure much of a comic book fan, but he's a football guy, wrestling guy, good guy from the Rochester area, one of the few good people from Rochester. Everyone else in Rochester is either, well, he's like two people that are good left in Rochester. <laughs> Everybody else there is either bad or left to go to Florida. Uh, but he's got three people hot on his tail. So mm-hmm. it's a lot, as, as I'm learning, it is a long season when it comes to football. Oh, it's XFL's beautiful. gonna be nice and short, eight nine games maybe. I think that's what Vince was telling me the other day. Right, and they'll probably get four out before they fold. That's right, and then Vince a wild card where he just switches people around to different teams. Oh, definitely not because he has dementia, forgets who's on what teams. <laughs> definitely not the reason why. That's right. Roman Reigns, put him in his quarterback. Oh, look at how big he is. <laughs> It's fantastic. He's anyway. a specimen. Oh, I don't say specimen around me. <laughs> uh, so longboxheroes.com, of course, for all of your needs for past episodes of this show, past episodes of After Dark. Of course, the 2017 Smash Sensation, Todd and Joe Have Issues. You can certainly head over to our store where you can purchase pins or shirts or stickers with our fancy logo on them. If you want a little bit more variety in your life, you can purchase the full-color iteration of our logo, along with some soon-to-be-named network, some at-odds-with-wrestling, and maybe some new designs coming in the near future at our T Public store. I know there was randomly a sale on Friday. They do sales at random. I don't know. Follow T Public, and maybe you'll get on like their mailing list to let you know when sales are going on. They don't let me know when sales are going on <laughs> to let you know when sales are going on. Maybe we can cut up the middleman of me and figure out when the sales are, right? I say check hourly. That's your best bet. Right. Don't be, a, don't be, don't be like me who just has a uh, text file of RSS feeds. When you know a podcast is supposed to come out, just sit there and hit F5 until it comes out. Mm-hmm. Doesn't make it come out any faster, Todd. Uh, also, of course, you can sign up for our Patreon as little as a buck a month. Uh, you can get the old shows that we did with our good buddy DJ, Todd and I. That is, of course, DJ, who's the co-host of Wednesday Night Wars, also on the soon to be named network. $5 a month is going to get you early access to After Dark. You're going to get those about two days before everybody else. Uh, but the most important way that you can help us out is through the Amazon click through at the top of the page. Does not cost you anything extra. It gives us a kickback. Uh, they call it an advertising fee. And I like to think every week that we are the ones, Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts, are the ones who let you, the listeners of the show, know that Amazon exists. Because mm-hmm. I stumbled Labor- through my words. The Lamborghini of podcasts. The Lamborghini of podcasts. Don't correct me. <laughs> Sickens me. So some of the notable click-throughs, uh, purchases to the click-through this past week is 
Someone purchased uh, a book entitled Mission 27, a new boss, a new ballpark, and one last ring for the Yankees Core 4. <laughs> I think that had a forward by Nick Swisher, I think. Mm. Mm. I assumed he was illiterate, but anyway. <laughs> Somebody also purchased a Bandai Ultra Hero Series 42 Ultraman action figure. Somebody also purchased a pair of AOG, that's A O Y O G, men's camo cargo shorts in coffee color. Uh, somebody purchased a phone tripod stand, possibly to film their unboxing of the aforementioned Ultraman action figure. And uh, somebody also purchased a book entitled Little Me My Life from A to Z by Matt Lucas. I also know who bought that, too. Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah, I had to look a... up who Matt Lucas was. I looked at his face and he seemed familiar. And then once I saw who he was, I had to clear my uh, search history so I didn't end up on any lists. You don't like Matt Lucas? Well, yeah. Wasn't he Wasn't he a Doctor Who or something? He was in Doctor Who. And he also did a great show called Little Britain with another comedian who uh, they basically just, there were two guys who did ske- sketch comedy. And then the narrator was Scarfy, the fourth doctor. And I didn't know about that. And the person who bought the book put me onto it. And I'm like, I'm a huge Little Britain fan. So you, you'd love it, Joe. I might. I don't know. Maybe. Who knows? I don't Com- have time for this sort of thing. I know. You barely have time to watch the shows you, you have to watch. I'm, I'm trying. I'm working on it. Mm-hmm. Yes. So uh, thanks for everyone for the purchases, of course. And uh, Todd, I know we had some art attacks this week. We only had one art attack this week. And it was Mayan. Uh, It was a cloak and dagger by Rick Leonardi that I got when I went to the Philadelphia Keystone Comic Con a few weeks ago. He was there. He was like the big uh, get that I that I wanted to get while I was there. And uh, the one thing that I have to admit is he he crushed it. And if you're going to get something from Rick Leonardi, um, I always recommend cloak and dagger because he has a set price for drawing a character. It's like one character is X amount of dollars. But if you ask for cloak and dagger for that one price, he always draws the two of them. If you ask for like, Oh, can I have cloak and how much extra is it for daggers? Like, Nope. Cloak must always go with dagger when I draw them. So it's the best bang for your buck. Uh, if you're going to get something and I, I, I liked it. He really liked it. He ended up like tweeting it out and Instagramming it because uh, he he said to me, and I quote, I don't think I've ever put them in that pose before. So I'm really proud of this one. So it's the best cloak and dagger he's ever done, Joe. The thing I noticed the most that really pops for me from this is mm-hmm. the faces. Right. Tandy's face, Tyrone's face, even though Tyrone's face is partially covered. Uh, the positions that they're in, the way that they're looking. Uh, the expressiveness of their faces really pops for me, and I really like that piece. Me too, especially. And the the only reason I was never a big cloak and dagger guy, but the TV show made me get it as soon as I found out that Rick was there. He didn't create them, but he did a bunch of the miniseries. So found that out. I think it was Ed Hannigan who created their their look. Right. So as we discuss this, uh, wrapping up because we got nothing else, right? No, there's no TV like I, we said until right after New York Comic Con, all the, 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 the DC shows come back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I have it on the list, of course, uh, when that comes back. And all we're, uh, Flash is just the one that comes back first, right? Like, uh, 
Legend of Tomorrow is still second half of the year. It's like January, right? Right. I'm not sure that's going to come back, but that's one of them that doesn't have as many episodes. So it'll probably be in the middle of some. That'll be prominent during the Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover. Mm hmm. So, yeah, I guess that's it. I think maybe on After Dark, we'll see how this works out. It's not set in stone or anything. Mm-hmm. That, uh, I don't know, maybe we'll uh, talk about It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia on there. Uh, that's coming. I forgot. Is that is that t- tomorrow night? Is uh, this that is week? next week. It's the 25th. Okay. But I have all my alerts turned on right. for It's Always Sunny because I remember last year when they did the uh season season premiere they just like randomly at midnight one night was right, just like was... yeah here's the episode it's on facebook right now if you want to watch it that was the dennis reveal everybody was waiting for it. and then you were like oh yeah it was on the other day i didn't know you know what i mean so you were telling me i was like oh i would have watched it right but okay sounds like a plan all Maybe. right we'll see how that goes mm-hmm. all right everybody so closing out uh, episode 468, Longbox Heroes. For Todd, this is Joe saying thanks for listening, and we'll see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. Ooh! You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Network.